Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. In my previous life, I was a producer and co-host of an outdoor TV show called RN TV. Mm-hmm. So my co-producer there, Sean Stahl, buddy of mine, he's world champion goose caller. Johnny and I were world champion duck callers. Um, Sean is big into dogs also. Um, and he had a really nice field champion, black male, that we bred Charlie with for her first breeding. Um, a dog, uh, Carl with a K. A pretty cool deal. Uh, maybe getting off in the wrong rabbit hole too quick, but um, Carl was a bona fide white coat, open all age field trial dog that hunted. So he came back from Canada and this would have been in 2020, 2020, see, tiny, 2019, maybe right before. Yeah. He come back from Canada on a hunt, picked up 750, 800 birds. Two weeks later, went to the eighth series of the national open. So you always hear them people that say, ah, them field trial dogs can't hunt or. Uh, some of the field child nerds would say, well, all them gun dogs are just pretty common. Uh, right there was one that could do both very well, and, and most of them can. So I, I was always really proud of that with Carl. And Tiny is a puppy out of that breeding, and he is doing very well. The Houseman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. I've been a member and supporter of Go Wild for over a year now. Man, how time flies. Their social media platform is for hunters by hunters. And if you followed me for any length of time, you know that I'm in the woods or on the water if I'm not working. And yes, some ask, do you work? Unfortunately, I do. It's a place that I post all of my trophies, no matter how big or small. Mine, mostly small. I get tips, tricks, tactics, and advice from people who eat, breathe, and sleep the outdoors. I log all of my outdoor adventures, including the time spent listening to the best podcast in the land, The Journey, hosted by no other than yours truly. So when I need anything outdoors, I just log on to the Go Wild store, pick out what I need, and that's anything from hunting, fishing, camping, optics, outdoor wear, and yes, hound supplies. So when you make your next purchase at Go Wild, use our discount code HXP10 to go along with that free shipping. I'm proud to partner up with the Go Wild team. So let's get your journey started today here on Go Wild. The journey is on a quest and we're here with Jim Ronquest is who we're with today. If you guys don't know anything about duck calling, we're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn some stuff about labs and uh, Drake Waterfowl. That's who Jim works for. 
and we're just going to have a good time talking about ducks and dogs. That's what we're going to do today. So, Jim, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because, man, that list of accolades is pretty long, and I'll let you hit on the hot topics that you want to put in there. So, have at it. Man, it's... Um... It's it's the, it's the only reason it's long is because you associate yourself with good people. But um, you got my name spelled right, Jim Ronquist. I'm the vice president of development for Drake Waterfowl and the Hunter Trading Company family of brands. Uh, it gives me an opportunity to do a lot of good stuff. In the past, I wouldn't past many years. I was the producer co-host of RNTV that airs on the Sportsman Channel. I think they're still airing this year, which is a cool deal. Good job to the boys at RNT. Um, past world champion duck caller, been a competitive turkey and goose caller and everything else. Just I enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, I'm an AKC certified field trial judge and a large fan and proponent of working Labrador retrievers. I judged a couple Super Retriever Series events and one of their grand crown championships. Um, it's kind of funny. People will ask, well, man, you, you do all this judging. Do you do any handling? Well, I get to handle a lot during hunting situations from October through the end of duck season. And to their point, you know, it's I've been there enough to know what it's like to be on the line, but it's always different being behind the line than being on the line. So I have great respect for all the different dog games, and I just enjoy dogs, whether it be um, retrieving a coon, reporting a cubby birds, or fetching a duck. I, I like good dogs. Yeah, I, and I got to bring, I got to ask you a question. So you, you you do the national turkey calling competition too? No, 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 I don't. I did it one time, but I I, I don't don't participate in that. I'm a uh, them guys are really good. I just like to go watch them. <laughs> yeah, I heard. Uh, I had um, Jr. Lanham on here uh, a while back. Of course, he's won it six times. He's not won the one. He's a sec- placed second at the National Wild Turkey Federation. And man, that's that's high on his to do list and. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm an avid. I, I love the spring turkey hunt. And I love it. It's um mm. one of my second favorite things to do besides chase it's, the dogs. It's, yeah, it's probably it's it's my other passion. You know, mm-hmm. ducks and turkeys are my thing. Uh, I'm also on the founding board of the organization called Turkeys for Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I'm part of the board there. And, and you know, everybody asks me, said, "Well, Jimbo, would you rather duck hunt or turkey hunt?" I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> So, thankfully, I don't have to. Yeah. Well, it's not in the same season, so you're lucky, right? That's right. You know, <laughs> you quit duck hunting at the end of January, and you've got a month and a half to heal up and get ready to start turkey season. So, that's that's all good. Then that gets you, if you turkey hunt much, that'll get you to the late spring and early summer. Now, we're just waiting on duck season again. Right. And so, it comes in in October? Well, some parts of the country, in Canada, it'll come in first to set first part of first week in september mm-hmm. um in the u.s the u.s prairies northern tier states will start i think it's closest to september 20th something like that is is about when like north dakota and montana and mm-hmm. they'll start nice well so tell tell me how you got into the i mean I, were you born and raised in arkansas what got you into the to the duck hunting and then the duck calling what what led you down that path Man, that's a great question. Um, I was fortunate, Mr. Heath, to grow up in a, in a very outdoorsy home. Um, my parents loved outdoors. Uh, my brother and sister and I were raised in it. You had two choices, either love it or hate it. Uh, I've come from the Missouri Ozarks originally. Um, my dad and his dad 
my granddad on dad's side, they trained bird dogs for folks, kind of hobbyist bird dog trainers, but at a pretty high level. They, they trained for, as I understand, people that played for the early days of the St. Louis Cardinals and whatnot. Um, so been around dogs my whole life and hunting. And dad worked for a large construction company. So what would happen about every three to five years, you'd have to he'd get transferred from this job to that job. So you just have to pick up and move. So man, I, the, you hear a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to move kid during, during school years. There's probably a lot of truth to that, but we just up and went when we up and went. So um, I think one year I went through like five different schools, but we, we moved from like Missouri to Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Missouri and then Arkansas and I've been here longer than I've been anywhere. This is home. This, this is where I've been. Kind of like mom said, home is where you hang your hat. But uh, th This is where I've been longer than anywhere. And then growing up in a hunting family, dad liked to bird hunt and duck hunt, you know, western Kentucky, southern Illinois, northwest Tennessee, northeast Arkansas all kind of come together right there. You know, some of the finest duck and goose hunting in the world. And just kind of grew up around that and being a part of it. And, um, you know, guys that my dad worked with liked to duck hunt and bird hunt, coon hunt. And, you know, I'd, I'd just go with them and learn from them. And I got into calling and it's driving my folks crazy messing around with duck calls. <laughs> they I was a little short, fat kids. So they put them on top of the gun cabinet where I couldn't reach them. So I kind of uh, can't do it anymore. I learned how I could call ducks with my hand one time and I could natural voice call geese. And they, dad finally said, we can't cut his arm or his head off. So let, <laughs> let him have his calls back. So, so that led me to where I am today. So, so thankfully I got to play with them. You know, it all, it all come back to uh, when I was in high school in the Cheatham County high school near Ashland city, Tennessee, I was an ag class, my sophomore year. And there's a sign hung up there and it read something to the effect I don't remember it word for word, but something to the effect of find something you like to do well enough, you would do it for nothing and become proficient enough that maybe somebody will pay you for it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure that I have been proficient enough, but I've at least fertilized some folks into doing that. So we're doing well. That's right. There's there's a reel floating around talking about that. That it uh, it says what you know your what your dad says. If you can find something you love to do and do it every day, you don't have to work. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about um, coon hunt. Did you coon hunt any back in then, or was it just? I, I had, yeah, I did. I don't anymore. Uh, I got a good friend here at home, a uh, uh, retired Arkansas game fish um, law enforcement officer, Randy Rhodes. Um, I always check in with Randy to hear how he's doing. He gets after, you know, chasing them walker dogs a bunch. But one of my dear friends growing up was a mentor of mine, a good friend of my dad's, taught me a lot about duck hunting. He also was a coon hunter, mm. and he had a couple of really nice dogs so i enjoyed going with him quite a bit and listening to dogs run but personally i i don't have a hand right um i i could i could see me at some point in time in my life having a couple out here but as of right now no so if you get them walker dogs you go, that you have to go yonder you have to get you a boat with the boots to go with it go chase them scoundrels Man, these boys around here that's that's exactly what they do <laughs> yeah i give them a, I, I can give every breed a hard time because i've owned them all and I've got most of my dogs are Walker, Walker mix now, but I put a little bit of um, slow down in mine. I don't, I don't enjoy walking to the top of these mountains and having to get the dogs off the tree much anymore. Or get way deep in a swamp here. You know, it all goes back to one thing, and I, I hear hear this a lot. And 
I don't know if you hear it on your side of the industry, but you hear people say, man, just grind, just going through that daily grind. We're just grinding away here, man, running dogs every night, just grinding away, We're duck hunting every morning, just grinding away. Look here, if it's that bad, don't do it. Take up, take up golf or racquetball <laughs> or, or something else, but it's supposed to be fun. That's right. You know, I, I mean, I'm not saying when you're hunting every day or guiding and it's pouring down rain that there's days it's not work. It absolutely is. But if it's just that bad of a grind, I suggest you go find you something else for a hobby. That's right. No, I'm I'm 100% with you. I, one of my other passions is I like to musky fish. And, man, oh. them scoundrels are hard to catch. And last week, we, yeah, last last couple of weeks, it's, I mean, it's been tough. Of course, the rain, we rain, it rained here for almost 10 days and the river wasn't uh wasn't good so i tried to fish anyway and that was just a waste of time and it got aggravated and they were like well, if you're getting aggravated you don't need to do it and i was like yeah you're right so i took two days off the river come down and the first day i was out i ended up hooking getting one in the boat so i was like yeah now we're back on track <laughs> there you go there you go so where, where again are you located here southwest virginia so the um, blacksburg Virginia Tech. Okay. Is, yeah, Virginia Tech or Roanoke is the closest airport to me. Roanoke's about an hour away. So basically I can be in I can be in Tennessee, North Carolina, West Virginia, and Kentucky all within about the same amount of drive. So I'm down here on the point mm-hmm. down here on the southwest. Mm-hmm. Like I can be in Tennessee. I can be uh, two two hours, two and a half at the most. Takes me three hours to get to Gatlinburg running there okay yep my sister interestingly enough my sister lives in far northeastern tennessee near uh roan mountain mm-hmm. yeah and i guess that's almost to a she she i think she grocery shops in, in north carolina so i don't know my way around a lot over in that part of the world i hadn't been there much so um, yeah that would be towards what is that washington or I don't know all the counties down in that area, but yeah, she can drive right across to to Boone, North Carolina. That's right across yeah, the line. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Well, well, let's talk a little dogs. What um, man? I'm in, buddy. <laughs> I know you and I had a pretty good conversation the other day. We was like, wait, wait, just save it, save it. There's too much good stuff here. Well, first, right. let's touch on you bred uh, you, you bred Charlie. Your female mm-hmm. to um, mm-hmm. a pretty good male, and you got a litter of puppies. And how old are them pups now? They are ten weeks old. They just just been getting the new homes for a little over a week, and I uh, just got reports from everybody over the weekend. Sounds like they're all doing great. They're all swimming and chasing tennis balls and pigeons, and uh, just doing excellent. Well, and I so has this dog won any? You told me that you'd won several world champions. Let's talk. Or yeah, so not world. So Char- Charlie. So so there's hunt te- in, in the retriever world. There's several different hunt testing organizations, mainly the HRC and the AKC. Mm-hmm. And then there's level above that. Probably some of my dog buddies will. I'll get phone calls about this. But a level above that is the actual open field trial, qualifying, amateur, and open. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit higher level, and they are true competitions. You know, whereas in the hunt test world you compete against the standard your dog either passes the standard or doesn't mm-hmm. now there's variances in there uh, but my dogs play the hunt test game 
uh, both the AKC and the UKC. They're trained by a young man named Tyler Patterson, Maple Ridge Retrievers. Tyler does a fantastic job. Um, so Charlie, my older female, she is eight. She is past the HRC Grand, Grand Hunting Retriever Champion, five times. And she has three AKC Master National Passes, which makes her a Master National Hunter and the AKC Hall of Fame. Now, the, a level above that where the marks are more difficult, they're not all hidden like in a field trial, but uh, like in a hunt test. But when you move up to the field trial world, uh, especially at the open level, that's the kind of stuff that people go, my gosh, that's crazy. We're talking, you know, 400-yard marks are not out of the question you know, 500 yard blind retrieves. It's just unbelievable what they teach those dogs to do. And and while it all based off beginning of a hunting situation, it's just the evolution of the training ability and the dog breeding of the dogs to get to where they can do that. So that you always try to keep something, when I judge a minor stakes, I keep something that's very hunt-like involved in that. But that said, it's all based on the roots of picking up all your ducks on an ordinary day shoot. It's just evolved into something that's if you've not ever seen it you go out there and look and you go that dog's supposed to see that bird go down and go pick it up not only that there's four of them and he has to remember every one and if you handle you just dinged yourself you know so it's uh, pretty impressive what these dogs are able to do nowadays that's crazy so back to it oh it's nuts so back to it my dogs are, are hunt they hunt a lot they pick up a lot of birds they, they test at the high end of the hunt test deal. Um, again, both UKC and AKC. So really proud of my dogs and I've been blessed. You know, you, you've probably heard that story that a man's allowed to get one good woman and one good dog in a lifetime. <laughs> well, I outkicked my coverage on, on the wife's side for sure, but I have been blessed to be able to hunt over some very fine, very, very fine retrievers. Yeah, and, and she's a five-time grand champion, right? Yes, five mm -hmm. five time grand champion. We just bred her this time, this last litter, with a field champion, a field champion, amateur field champion. My rocks, he knows my name, call name Chosen, owned by Miss Pam Wilson from Texas. Um, one of Chosen's big things is when we was trying to look for a male to breed to, he's been to I don't know how far he's finished in the national six, seven, eight series, but he's also won a double header, meaning he's won the open and the amateur on the same weekend now the difference there is an open field trial can be you can be an amateur and run in the open state but if you're a professional trainer and handler you can't run in the amateur naturally so miss pam and chosen won a double header um and that that says a lot for not only her ability but his you know it takes a lot of dogs to do that um in two different tests so that's that's part of why we bred him that and, and while you can't breed title to title that doesn't make sense. They really look nice as an outcross when you get go back down through the papers. So, right, I, I'm sure in hound world you get into that same deal. Yeah, and I mean we got a lot to talk about, but you done made me want to ask you like three other questions there. So, <clears throat> when you when you bred to him, were you trying to pick up a certain trait from him, or were you just breeding best to best? Looking for traits. So in the first, this was Charlie's third breeding. So um, first breeding was with Carl with a K. Next one was with an Arkansas dog, FC Willie, uh, Raft Creek's road grader, call name Willie out of, out of a Grady puppy, out of Grady. Um, 
And that, that right there, we're trying to double up on that marking. Charlie's an A-plus marker, Willie's an A-plus marker. A lot of motor, a lot of horsepower there. So with Willie, we're trying to do two things. We're trying to pull that down. Willie's a thinker. Um, great style, moves really good, but a little bit more of a thinker. Not that we're trying to water down that we, the horsepower there. We're just trying to enhance it, control it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So um, looking maybe for a little bit better line manners. Not that hers are bad, but she's, she's ready to go. So trying to... to get a dog that, that's steady wanting to watch. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to blow up another uh, stereoty stereotype. You hear <laughs> people talk about, well, man, them field trial, you'll hear people say this, quote, man, them field trial dogs are wild. They're bouncing off the walls. They're, they're just crazy. The good ones aren't. The good ones are very tractable on the line. They pay attention. They walk, watch their birds good. They typically all have good switches. Um, I made sure in every breeding we bred to a dog with a good switch and what I mean by that is I want my dogs, when we come in from hunting, for traveling on the road, you know, come in the motel room, curl up in the corner, or just me by myself, typically they're riding in the front seat. Mm -hmm. Or we come home at night, they come in the house, you know. Um, <clears throat> I, I want, want to keep my dogs acclimated to the weather, but I think you get a lot more out of them if you live with them, you know. So with that said, I want a dog with a good switch. And when they come in the house, they're not just running crazy and going nuts. Now, they may get excited if a stranger comes over for a minute. You know, they're going to look around and do what dogs do when a stranger comes in. But once they know you're good, they're back over laying down. So that's important to me. So anyway, back to why we bred with Chosen was several of the good things we heard about him on how much of a thinker he was, how good he was at not making mistakes, um, and just seeing if that combination works. And that's mm -hmm. kind of. You know, when you got a nice dog in the retriever world, a, a really nice female, you try to take her attributes, pass that on, but maybe not, none of them's perfect. So you try to breed away from maybe what might not be their strong points. And, and I'm sure the hound world is much the same way. Um, so that's kind of what we tried to do. And it's been fun to see out of this third litter, they're still babies, but out of the first two litters, we've got several of them already got master titles on them. And there's only been one washout that I'm aware of. They're, they're all still playing the hunt test game, you know. So I'm pretty tickled with that. That says a little something about the genetics we're trying mm -hmm. to pass on. Yeah, and I, I mean, just I want to tap on a couple things you said. Um, our other hounds podcast, Seth and um, Chad just actually did a podcast Friday all mixed up, and they were talking about they Seth had a question asked about if dogs living inside – made them better or took away some of their hunt and you you just confirmed what they had already brought up um i'm a big a proponent of it too I, my dogs are inside with me at some point in time i've got so many i can't have them all inside but i've raised several several of my hounds right here in the kitchen they're crated you know yep. they you know I, I i like to do the hands-on it's what you just said um mm -hmm. and it, I talked to some of the Dirt Scorzar guys, the the German Shorthair Pointer guys, and that was one of the big things why they like the the Dirt dogs is because they're like a light switch. When you put them out in the field, go 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 go, and when you bring them in, it's like they shut off. And so you kind of tapping into some of the stuff that we talk about regularly, and we talk, and even in the police dog world, um, my second my second dog was a, a Belgian Malinois Mally. And 
he was like a rat on acid 24-7. Completely jacked and wore himself out all the time. If you rode him around the car for 12 hours and you had to jump out and do a track on somebody at, you know, 8, 10 hours in, most time he was gassed 500 yards into it because he didn't lay down. He wouldn't shut down. And my duchy that mm-hmm. I have now, my duchy is like a light. You don't even know he's in the car. But you open that door and you hook that lead strap to him, it's like go time. So, man, mm-hmm. I really like what you're saying, and I, I, I complete, I see it. Like I, that stuff that I believe in myself, um, it just makes the whole experience better, doesn't it? Yes, I, I it just everything about it's better. <coughs> and I think a lot of it goes back to socializing those dogs, you know. And I, you from the canine side of things, tactical canines. It's even more so, more important for those dogs to be socialized because all the different people that are around and learning how to separate threat from non-threat have to be around a lot of different people. Um, so I was telling you the phone, the phone the other day, one of my best dog friends, a guy named John, John Londis, who would really be, be the guy you need sitting in my seat right now. Um, he's been a great retriever trainer, friend of mine, been a part of all of my dogs. Um, he is his wife really just got interested in a mountain wall so mm-hmm. nine is like i want to say she's two years old two and a half um so john's been taking what he knows about retriever training as a high-end amateur retriever training apply it to as he says bite dog but then he's also trying to learn from guys that that are in that side of things that know that side of training and he was talking about he didn't get into the details, but some of the things he's learned about some of the obedience stuff y'all teach with canine dogs, how he is learning to apply that to retrievers. And he's looking forward to his next lab puppy to, just to, to apply some of that knowledge from y'all side of things to our side. And maybe maybe there's some stuff we do that could help y'all out. Well, you know, and like I said, I still got five other questions I want to go back to. But, I mean, I see the labs as... Like, you know, when they, the, one of the things that, and you and I t- touched on it the other day when we were talking on the phone, um, the, the, the cap drive, like when you, when you're sitting there and you, and I, and I don't know your world, that's why I've got you on here. Cause I want to learn, but you know, I see videos, I watch, you know, I watch the sportsman's channel, but you know, those dogs are sitting in a blind with you guys and y'all knock out a few birds, whatever. And that dog has to hold until you tell him to go. And for mm-hmm. us in the, the law enforcement side of it, most of our dogs are so jacked up that in prey drive, you and I talked about that. There's so much prey mm-hmm. drive there that it almost kills them to have to sit still. And I see mm-hmm. the control that you guys have. Um, I mean, I, I think it's wonderful. And I think that more people should learn, um, how to how to control that or have their dogs and i'll tell you a quick one and we'll move on so years ago when i was hunting by myself a lot i had a couple dogs that i could just um put on a, a double coupler i don't lead my dogs much in the woods um put them on a double coupler and i could actually undo the double coupler and i could have dogs go in and strike and start opening and then um tell the dogs when I wanted them to go, I could say, okay, go. And they would go. Mm-hmm. And I could hold the other dog back until I told it to go. Now, you know, here we are 15 years later and I definitely don't have that. Um, but that's, 
I was thinking about it actually the other day is I'm getting back to that. I'm getting back mm-hmm. to where I don't have to lead my dogs. They're going to walk with me and whatever excitement's going on, I want to have enough control on them to say, okay, hang on just a second. And when I, dad says you can go, you can go join the fun. And you know, that, I see that with your world. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's really important to train on honoring um, and, and steadiness training. You know, you can overdo it and you can underdo it, but uh, there's several different training philosophies there. Some people will, you know, just throw marks, throw marks, throw marks, really enhance that prey drive and then start working it backwards from there. Uh, other folks go the other way, um, steady, 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 and then start building the prey drive later. Both, both sides seem to come up with, with about the same outcome. And a lot of it's that, that prey drive, which mentioned with Charlie and Tiny, they've got a lot of prey drive, so steadiness is a big part of it. So there's a lot of times um, I won't let them get every retreat. You know, let them understand that they're not going to get them all. They mm-hmm. got to sit there until they're told. Um, go means go, but sit means sit. Right. You know, sit means sit there until we say go. Now that let me be let let me be honest here. My dogs will break on occasion. Mm-hmm. And once they learn that if I'm hunting instead of handling and they see that I'm shooting, they know I'm holding on that gun and pay attention to shooting. I'm not paying attention to them. They're like, hmm, we're going to get one over on old pot. <laughs> you know, they, they will definitely do that. But uh, at the same time, you can get on them and they know they did it. You know, And a lot of it in the duck hunting deal is safety. You know, last thing I want is my dog to get shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, God forbid, how would a guest hunter feel if they accidentally shot your dog? And, um I'm pretty close to my dog. I, I had a story, I tell you, backing up to one of my first master hunter dogs, a little female named Katie, who was, she just, I don't, her and Charlie, I don't know which, if they hated them or loved them, I don't know which, but Katie had lots of go. I mean, she was, we leaned on that little dog every day. And I told, tell folks in the morning, guiding, especially if it was a new group of folks, I'd give my guide speech in the morning. I'd say, all right, guys, look here, we want to have a good time. You know, I'll call the shot, keep your safety on until till the shot is called, shoot your lane, you know, 10 to 2, you know, just going through all that. Just kind of a safety reminder for everybody. And then I can get really serious, or as serious as I could. And say, all right, look here, guys, that little dog right here, y'all need to know something. If you shoot that dog, this is what's going to happen. I'm going <laughs> to shoot you, cut you up in a million pieces, and put you out here in the swamp. And ain't nobody going to find you yeah. at all. And what you really don't know, if you shoot me, that little dog knows how to shoot you too. <laughs> People say, man, you know, them rednecks, I bet he's not lying. You know? uh, um, but, but anyway, um, they, they will get, they'll get loose. They like it. You know, that you always trying for steadiness, but the ones that really got a lot of go, they're eventually going to, they're going to break on you. You won't have to reinforce that somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but you constantly teach it. So um, talking with Tyler the other day, we were talking about Tiny getting ready for, he's going to the Grand this fall and hopefully the Master National. And the Grand is probably, I'll probably get a phone call on this too, is more about steadiness and control than it is necessarily marking or handling. Uh, not, not saying that the marks are all easy, they are not. There's some tough marks in there and there's some tough lines, but it's more about control, whereas the AKC Master National is probably a little bit more technical, but not as much on control. Um, 
so you know that's but you, you're still training for the same basics yeah so that means set until i tell you to go when i say go you go you right know? and i want to that's this is one of the questions i want to go back because you said that um the two dot one that charlie and one of the other dogs was like an a plus marker um mm-hmm. Can you explain that to me? I, I think I know what it means, but can you explain that to me? And just in case our listeners don't know what what you're talking about. Yes, very good question. So when you're talking to a to a retriever guy, especially a competitive retriever guy or into dogs, if they say this is this dog's a A plus marker or this dog's a fair marker, but runs really good blinds, a good marking dog is a dog when they come to the line, sit down, they can see the birds really good, and they know where they're at. They, they run out there and you're looking for them to go front foot them or put a really tight, short, quick hunt on in the area of the fall and come back. Uh, a dog that's not as good as marker may know the general area and run out there and hunt a bigger, wider circle, um, but might not have been as confident in knowing where that bird was. Typically what happens, you get a, out of balance. A lot of times dogs that are really A-plus markers don't handle well because they're very independent. They already think they know where they're going. They know what they're doing. And it's just kind of that kind of type A personality that, you know, a lot of self-assuredness. So the balance there is a dog that's a really good marker, but will take good directions from its handler. Um, And when you blow a sit whistle, you're running a blind retrieve. And, you know, you send your dog on the line. They get the picture, dead bird, back. And they're running that line to get offline. Tweet. You need a a left-handed back to get that cast, you know, and they take it. Whereas sometimes that really good markings, independent, self-assured dog is like, no, I know where I'm going. I'm going to blow him off. So that's where you're looking for that balance, you uh-huh. know. Um, but in all of them, marking is of, a, is of primary importance. So if you weigh, at least in my mind, especially the AKC world, marking is of primary importance. There's more, you put more weight to marking than you do handling. Yet, when you read the uh, opening paragraph for what they call a non-slip retriever trial, non-slip means steady, you know, doesn't slip at the line. And it's something about a a dog that um, marks the area of the fall, moves at a good rate to not unduly disrupt too much cover, will take take directions from from its handler, and will pursue a strong cripple is considered a sound companion in the field or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And when you look at those attributes, marks the area of the fall, moves at a good pace to hurry up and get there and get back. We don't, we may have another bunch of ducks here coming. Doesn't disturb too much cover if you're a pheasant guy, back. but when they have to handle, take, take directions from its handler as needed and will pursue a strong cripple, meaning it has good hunt skills and will pursue the bird, good nose, good eyes, and will pursue the, cripple when you add those things up that's what makes a good duck dog that's all any of us want when you go duck hunting every day that's all any of us want and to be honest with you when i'm hunting i just assume not ever have to blow a whistle and handle i want the dog to know where they're going so uh, an independent self-assured thinking dog suits me well and you said that um earlier you said that like there was like four ducks that the dog had to retrieve like how does how does that Mm-hmm. How do they? How do they remember? Like, I mean, I've trained dogs my whole. I mean, for a long time now, and that kind of blows my mind that they would be able to to remember four, four places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part. That's a that's a subset of marking <clears throat> memory. 
So you want you we we look for dogs with good memories, and and it's amazing the kind of memories that that they have once you start seeing it and maybe training for it. And I bet you'll really see it in your um, canine, your tactical dogs, mm -hmm. um, police dogs. I bet you see it a lot there. But yeah, like so at a at a at the grand or the master, there's a there, there's a triple with a blind, and when you step up into the open, all that stuff, there'll be always be a quad in there somewhere, four birds, um, and sometimes at the hunt test level, there'll be four birds. But I've been on hunts where there was eight, nine, and ten birds down, and you can always tell when the dog is remembering. They'll come back looking over their shoulder, looking where's that next one at? Where's that next one? You just keep sending them, and then you may have to handle from there. Uh, but I've had dogs remember birds like a bird they missed in the morning early morning mm -hmm. they'll be looking around and then later that morning they'll go back to the area that fall and look for that bird um cool little story here and i, I hope i ain't taking up too much no, of your time absolutely so not if I, if I am let me know no but this is a fun fun story so i get a lot of people asking me said man jimbo what's your favorite retrieve and all of my dogs have made i've i've, I've had some really cool ones and um as I think back, there's some that tie, that, that there's some equals here. But one of the, uh, the Katie dog I was telling you about, here's a perfect one. We was hunting old dead timber break over here on the east side of White River. And we'd had a fair morning, and, and she was a good cripple dog, man. If, if I had to go find a duck with a million-dollar duck band on it, I would dig her up and bow hot air up here and see if I could get her back up and running again. Um, so we was hunting that morning, and, we shot in a bunch of ducks and I sent her she had a big chase with a mounted hen that was kind of front and left of the blind uh, or facing out that way. And started getting up in the morning, the hunt was slowing down and old Katie kept looking over at that. There's an old stump or some grass right in there. And she just kept looking over there and she kept looking over there. And I had kind of scolded her earlier. I said, man, you let that duck beat you? Katie, I can't believe you let that duck beat you. And she kept looking over there. So finally, I just put my hand over that bird back. And she run over there and went swimming around and looking and smelling on that water. And I seen her kind of, it's pretty shallow, really muddy. She sat back on her on her haunches a little bit. And she's taking them front paws and she was digging down in that water. And as soon as she stick her head down and she come pulled up that mattered hen with a bunch of weeds and mud around her and come back with it. And, I, you know, I, I probably would have never believed that story had I not been there to see it. And it, it's absolutely what she did. And it was so cool that, one, she remembered that bird. And two, she just went over there and started feeling for it, and she found it. And she stuck her head in there and dug it up. That's, that's crazy. You can't you can't teach that. No, that's just that's just in them. No, that's that's like, the that's the cool stuff right there. That's phenomenal. Like that's amazing. Is what that is. It makes you want to go see them do it again. You know, <laughs> it's so fun when you got a young dog it's showing promise, and they'll go do something like that. And you're like, Gosh, that's cool. You know? Well, well, and you think. Um, I tested uh, a couple dogs last year for cadaver, and we ah. and one of the one of the tests is water, um, and it's so neat. And both of these dogs were labs, <laughs> coincidentally, um, and it was so awesome to watch those dogs. We put them on the front of the boat, and they just kind of kind of you know they'd stand there and they'd be working side kind of like us rigging dogs on a truck. You know they would be standing there, mm -hmm. and then they would do you know, whatever they were trained to do for their, their indication. And sure enough, then they would find the scent that underneath the water they had um, dropped anchors with the odor down on, on it. Um, but it was, mm -hmm. it's phenomenal. So what you're saying, like, 
like the dogs have so many amazing abilities that a lot of times people just take for granted or don't don't process how special they are really mm-hmm it's you know it's cool one you talked about memory she remembered that bird there and look that was i don't know how many birds we shot after she lost that one you know it was a pretty fair hunt so she remembered that bird was down and went back there not only did she remember the area of the fall she dug it out of there you know that that was cool mm -hmm. so the journey on houndsman xp has teamed up with one tdc this dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's health in four different areas. Their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months, and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to WorkSoWell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on The Journey. Similar tales, so young Tiny out of Charlie. Uh, the first year he hunted, we was out, I was hunting with some folks up in Missouri. We was out looking for a cripple, and it was his first duck season. He didn't know a whole lot. He just... He had to go hunt and learn, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's right. Learn more shooting birds over. So we was in the woods there, some flooded woods, and I was looking and I seen something dip. Like, hey, there's that duck. And then I seen a head come up. I said, oh my God, it's tiny. And then I seen him get up and he stuck his head up in the air and he got him a big old breath of air and stuck his head back down in the water. I'm like, oh my God, please don't try to smell. Please don't try to sniff. Or not, you know, I'm scared to death. <laughs> and here that sucker comes up with the duck. And I'm like, goodness gracious, look at yep. here. I didn't teach him nothing about that. He just started doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, and I've watched his mama track him on the water, be on the water with her nose right on the water mm -hmm. and track him and be gone, be gone for 30, 45 minutes and come back with a cripple. Now that's, that's the kind of stuff you can't teach as, as trainers and judges and all that. We're looking for all those other attributes that makes a good dog, a good dog. But in the end, that's the kind of stuff right there that we're all looking to get. You know, it don't matter what kind of dog you have. It don't matter. When you have dogs that work like that and you see that stuff, um, it it sets them apart. Like, it just, it's mm -hmm. phenomenal. You know, you, you're seeing dogs do stuff in your world that most most pet owners never know about. They don't, they don't have a clue. And then, you know, us mm -hmm. in the hunting world, you know, we see dogs do so, so many amazing things. And then... You know what? What got me into the the the, long, the canine world was because I hunted and tracking. Mm -hmm. You know, tracking people mm -hmm. are, are, is my that's what I love to do. And I always said that my hounds, <clears throat> what seeing what my hounds could do, and our police dogs, we don't, we only get about half out of our police dogs what they're actually capable of. Um, you know, now the the searching and the stuff like that, absolutely. But when it comes down to a dog's ability we don't we don't tap into over half of what they're able to do on my end of it i don't think with the stuff mm -hmm. just like what you're saying this is the stuff that we've seen that you know i'm like man you know these hounds do this stuff you know these these, these other dogs should be doing it too oh they can all do it <laughs> you know you the, the the canine dogs man i just so backing up in my dogs and i mentioned this fella's name my buddy randy rhodes 
at the time was Jamie Fish, canine guy. Mm-hmm. And I had a yellow female. I have lost a, a male dog named Tank to a twisted stomach, torsion. Mm. And he was just an awesome animal uh, right at the beginning of duck season. So went without a dog that year. So I got a puppy. Do you like to be outside like I do? Hunting, fishing, hiking? If so, Onyx is the app for you. I've been a loyal Onyx user for years. It's the one app that I can honestly say I use daily. While hunting, I know where I'm at at all times. I mark trails, bedding areas, feeding areas, and the list goes on. In my travels, I use it to pre-scout all the new places that I am blessed to hunt. Last year, while hiking Yellowstone, I used Onyx to map out the trails and know the difficulty of each one. And here's a secret. I mark all of my favorite fishing spots on Onyx. It's been a game changer for me at work. I've used it multiple times to get in touch with property owners. Onyx has so many great features and tools, you can literally use it in your everyday life. It is, by far, the best mapping app on the market. And hey, it's approved by yours truly at Houndsman XP. So when you go to subscribe to Onyx, use our code HXP20 and get you a discount. So get your journey started with Onyx and know where you stand. Anyway, I got a puppy, a yellow puppy from a buddy of mine the next year from Ira McCauley. His name, her name was, there it is. Uh, her name was Molly. She's a little yellow dog. And anyway, I had her with a buddy of mine training and, and she just wasn't going to make it. So they were looking, Randy and them were looking for some dogs for gaming fish and for, for that kind of stuff, you know, for finding people and like evidence and you know, you can explain that stuff better than I can. Mm-hmm. So he said, "Will she chase a tennis ball?" I said, "Oh heck yeah, she chased the heck out of a tennis ball." You know, so he come over. And, so anyway, Molly went to work for Arkansas Game Fish. She had her own badge, she had her own picture, she had everything. Good looking little yellow dog. We had a picture of her that and a duck blind on dog box blind. She said, "said I may not be a duck dog, but I play one on TV." You know, and at the time <laughs> she was, uh, but she found her niche in that stuff. And I, Randy, told me about. She found evidence, I think, for a murder case. She mm. found evidence, found a guy poaching on, on some state ground. He wasn't supposed to be deer hunting. Run right up underneath her and looked up the tree. And he, he said, man, dog wasn't supposed to find me. I'm wearing rubber boots and all this scent lock stuff. He said, you have to ask the dog about that. But th- to that point, it's amazing what they can do. And especially if you find something they, I hate to say enjoy, but you know she found her niche she did mm-hmm. a good job with gaming fish you know she found her niche and randy talked about tracking people and you know putting mm-hmm. on harness and tracking and whatnot and that's that's just cool stuff yeah my my so my dad used to raise labs but we we don't we didn't duck hunt we just he just loved labs and um and we i've had a bunch through my life and then my first police dog was a yellow lab a big old big old lab like 80 pound big big lab and um of course i only done tracking and narcotics with him but mm-hmm. there's always been like a i guess from my childhood growing up when dad had them and you know i've always liked them and i <clears throat> we just replaced one of our dogs that retired and the couple guys that i was looking at dogs from 
they asked me what I wanted and I'm like, well, I don't care. Like, we're just going to put narcotics and tracking on it. So I don't care. I said, but if you come across a good lab, I'd be more inclined. Um, a lot of our guys are getting the German short air pointers right now, but it, we ended up getting a, a Mali because that's what was available. And I mean, he's all put together and done what he's supposed to. Well, I mean, he, he tested out well, so we ended up putting narcotics on him and got him going. But yeah, the lab is not like, I, I like them. I've always liked them. I mean, and like I said, I've never hunted one because that's, I don't, we, I don't have anywhere to do that here. <clears throat> But I want to go back and ask a question off of your pups because you're you're doing some testing techniques, some of the stuff that we use, and you talk about chasing a tennis ball. What are some other things when you're when you're sorting through these pups? And how old were they when you sent them on the way? Eight, ten weeks? Uh, seven weeks. Seven weeks. Yeah. So try, that, try to get as close to that day. I don't. Somebody wrote a big study about that day forty nine. Mm-hmm. Or seventh weeks, the 49th day is, is a big time, but somewhere six and a half to seven to eight is when I try to make sure they're going to new home. Yep. So at that age, what is there certain things you're looking for, or is it at that point for you guys, is it just reach down, pick one out, and hope it works out? Man, now that you just opened up a big old <laughs> can of worms right there. So some people are of the opinion, and this, and you will get some very top shelf dog trainers on opposite ends of this conversation. Mm-hmm. I fall somewhere in the middle. There's some folks who say, man, put a sack, reach in there and grab one, see what it is. If it's a female and you want a male, put it back until mm-hmm. you find a male or vice versa. Yep. I kind of believe you can do a little checking around, mm-hmm. but the, 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 my little tiny dog, he was a runt out of that litter. We thought something was wrong with him. Shoot, man. He is excellent. So anyway, I I would say this. When I keep them, I have them on duck wings, chasing tennis balls, chasing socks. If I can get a live pigeon, I'll throw a live pigeon down there with them, you know, and, and just try to start building that prey drive, seeing who wants to go get them. And, and what you see is a puppy will likely change when they're six months old or a year old. You know, you hear a lot of guys, some of the, some of the most well-decorated competitive dogs and in our history that the stories when you read the history on them were just nobody did nothing with them for the first year and a half because they mm-hmm. didn't seem like they liked it um it's just i don't know i argue here i am i'm talking in a big circle <laughs> of myself um I, I like to see wh- who's doing what as a puppy myself mm-hmm. um again chasing the tennis ball chasing the duck wing uh if you got a live pigeon and really all i'm seeing there is if they show interest natural instinct um, yep natural instinct mm-hmm. and i if i can if the water's warm enough you know i wait out the pond see if they'll follow me you know get them comfortable with water um but other than that you know you never know what you're going to get it's going to be time and training and socializing i i can't emphasize enough the importance of if you get you a puppy i don't care if it's a coonhound puppy a bird dog puppy uh canine tactical puppy retriever puppy that little sucker let it live with you let it go everywhere it can go i know there's times you can't take that puppy with you everywhere you go but as much as you can take that puppy with you everywhere let it be around as many people and dogs as it can you make sure it doesn't get around a dog it's going to be aggressive towards puppy getting you know interfere if you need to mm-hmm. but the more they can be around things and exposed to different environments and people and different things the better they're going to be and i I know how important it is in the retriever world. I, I would have to think in the 
in the canine enforcement world, it's even more so like that. Well, so, there, yeah, there's two things there for me. Um, I do more environmentally um, acquisitions for mine. Uh, like, like you said, different environments, different, I mean, floors are a big thing for us. A lot of dogs mm-hmm. don't like slick floors. A lot of dogs don't mm-hmm. like open great stairs. Um, a lot of dogs don't like to be high on stuff that's unstable. Like so, for me, I'm not necessarily socializing it with people. I'm doing more environmental socializing um, for Same. me. And I kind of, yeah. I kind of lump that all into everything yeah. on socializing. <clears throat> yeah, I try to get them walking across different stuff mm-hmm. as a puppy, so they're used to it. Like you talk about them open great stairs. Mm-hmm. old dog tank that i lost twist his stomach that sucker was amazing where he'd go and what he'd do you know he, he and the two i got now they scare me because they're not scared of heights and they're not mm-hmm. scared of stuff like that so that that scares me them, <laughs> you know because yeah. i am right you know I, i'm a big wimp get me two foot off the ground it's a little wobbly i'm like Ooh, wait a minute here um but yeah i want my dogs used to all that because you see all those kind of different situations in different hunting environments, traveling around the country, uh, different types of duck blinds they got to get into, in and out of boats. The more you can get them acclimated to different textures, if you will, or environments, the better they'll be. Like you mentioned, the slick floors. Man, I've seen it where you could keep a 90-pound Labrador from crossing a, a silver door threshold mm-hmm. that was a quarter inch tall and that wide because it, it, there was a barrier there. Mm-hmm. didn't want to get on that slick linoleum. So, yeah, I, I, I'm all for you on that, and any dog for that matter. Yeah, I, I would go on to say that a lot of the basics in raising a puppy, regardless if it's a, regardless of what its outcome, what its job's going to be in the end, some of that stuff's going to be very similar. Yeah, and you know, so you was talk. I've got a litter of pups now. Well, I had a litter on there. Uh, they're coming on fourteen weeks. They're not quite, and I've got three left. But <clears throat> you know, I do some of the some some of the same things that you're doing with mine is I want to check that prey drive. And again, they're usually six, eight weeks old when I'm looking at mm-hmm. this. So I have what we call a flirt pole. So it's a pole with a, like your string on wing on a string kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a leather cloth and I just move it around, um, see if the dogs are interested in chasing it. And if you know mm-hmm. w- how they want to do that. And I, I look at that, but one of the things that, and I've really, the last couple of letters, is how pups change so much in a short amount of time. One of the strongest pups out of this litter, we call her AJ. And when, I mean, she was the, she was a fireball. And now, like, her demeanor has completely changed. I've got two more that have, well, the other two that I have left are really outworking her and are outdoing her. And my dogs are loose. Like, they're loose right now, running around in the yard, probably down in the barn lot with the horses. I've seen one of the trainers go down there just a minute ago. They'll go down there with them and run around the horses and stuff. But, you know, what, like you said, you stick your hand in the bag and pull it out because those dogs change so much. Um, her, she, was, she was not afraid of anything, is what you was talking mm. about. And now, mm-hmm. loud noises, um, anything that's out of place – like the lawnmower, the lawnmower yesterday, I mowed yesterday and normally she wasn't paying attention to it. When I started that thing up and went around the house, like 
boom, she circled around to the back of the house. And I'm like, what's wrong with her? The other two are just laying there like, what are you doing? Mm. You're going to have to move mm. so I don't have to mow over you. <clears throat> but right. she changed. She flipped on me. And I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that behavior. I feel like she'll come out of it because she's in good hands. <laughs> but at the same time, um, her demeanor has changed big time, big time mm. in four that's weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I said earlier. You know, that's where I kind of argue with myself about my thoughts is, you know, if you just kind of give them time, you'll see different things. One of the things I do when I raise litter puppies, and I didn't raise this last litter, but once I get them starting to wean them and get them on wet food in you know transitioning into dry food you know from that time you you let it soak until it's soft and mushy till it's just just floating food and when them little guys is going after that food bowl i'll back away from them or i like to have my daughter or wife feed them and i'd take like two pans and i'd whoop them together i'd clap my hands and make it pop as loud as i could and i'd, I'd try to turn that loud noise into going on when there's a positive experience they're eating they're getting their bellies full and I kind of think that I lead that over to, again, lawnmowers, trucks, tractors, shotguns, pistols, you know, don't go shoot right on top of them at a young age, but get them acclimated. They hear they're doing something good, hear a bang, a pow. Um, I might yell, just anything, just a loud noise that would startle them, maybe, but they're eating. So Mm -hmm. try to make as many positive experiences as I can with things that could be interpreted as positive, like a gunshot going off or a backfire or your lawnmower or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know for something you could do there. You hear a lot of people treating gunshot dogs like that. Mm-hmm. You know, start off. That's where I first got the idea. A guy would feed, have his wife feed his dogs and he start eating. He'd shoot 22 short from like a mm-hmm. hundred yards away. And he just kept moving closer little by little, slowly back, very slowly being patient. And finally got the dog where she was fine. Turned into a fine duck dog. So, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff can be overcome with just trying to think of what, where it comes from. Yeah. And to, and I'll tell you how to save some money on some 22 shells. We use balloons. Ah. We, we started out with balloons, but you, you, it just dawned on me. Shotgun. I've noticed in the police side of things, well, I've even noticed it in my hounds, actually. Um, when I go down east and hunt, you have to use a shotgun. You can't use a rifle. Um, the rifle and the pistol, I can work my dogs through that pretty quickly, and most of them have no problems whatsoever. My my police dog right now is solid, solid. I can shoot my AR right over top of him if I want to. He don't care. Mm-hmm. You put that, that shotgun up, and that percussion off of that shotgun changes his demand. He still does his job, but he pins his ears back, and that tail tucks. And I'm like, okay, so um, me and Chad Reynolds had this discussion last year about it. Chad feels like it's the has more to do with the the gunpowder because it's more overwhelming coming out of a shotgun. So he puts the mm-hmm. he'll put a couple empty shotgun shells around his food bowl and feed mm-hmm. the dogs. Um, and I have done that with the last litter of puppies I had, and of course I haven't shot a shotgun around them, so I can't tell you if it's been it's been fruitful or not. So with that percussion, especially if there's several of you guys in a blind and you've got a dog right beside you, how do you guys work through that? Or the dogs just have that good of nerves that it's not really an issue? I think they get the nerves where it's not a problem. So 
over you learn as you go. So you heard me talk about that little old dog, Katie, I thought so much of. And I was in the garden and she was getting shot over every day. And I made a mistake. I built her dog porch on the front of the blind, but yet there was a hunter standing right behind her. So she literally got shot over the top of her head every day, you know horrible deal she was dying near death time she was eight mm-hmm. i've learned since then i do things differently but if you're in a blind or a pit and the dog's next to you you know the gun's out front a little bit but people are always going to be swinging I, and i think they the prey drive overcomes the nerves there eventually uh, that said if you can if it's anywhere i can if i'm hunting in the woods or a different setup i i either move my dogs over away from the blind or set them behind me a little bit more Mm-hmm. One, I think they mark better like that, and two, that you're not affecting them as bad with as much noise. But that doesn't bother them at all. The shotgun, ten shotguns going off, is not yet to be an issue. But all of all of these dogs, we work hard at acclimating them to loud noises mm-hmm. as a puppy. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, um, I've just noticed in my handling with dogs that shotgun. <clears throat> and last year we were down in. Um, I was down in North Carolina, and uh, two of my young dog, year old dogs, uh, we had a bear on the ground, and they come in and shot several rounds. And um, my dog, my dogs come out like when they when they harvested the animal and they started shooting, they come out. Um, now they went back in with me um, and acted fine, but that initial that initial three or four blast got got them. Um, and of course I've been working on it since then. So hopefully that's not an issue, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean. So when y'all are bear hunting and you got a bear on the ground, you go in, are you, are you using your AR for that? Or what do you, or is the shotgun with the slug? Well, it depends on where we're hunting at. Like for me, hunt, hunting at home, I carry a pistol. I, I just carry a gotcha. 41 Magnum. Now, if I'm hunting on the coast, most time we're carrying 20 gauges slugs. I got you. Yeah. Mm, okay. So it depends on where we're hunting. And, and, you know, a lot of times if we have guys that, that haven't um, hunted before, whatever, they're carrying a, you know, I carry an old thirty thirty in my truck for, for whoever needs it or two forty three something of that, that caliber is usually what it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. No, it's, it's always interesting to, to learn different things from different parts of the country on what people do. I always enjoy that. Yeah. You know, I, I like to tell folks, you know, my passions are ducks and turkeys, but I, I, I like quail hunt, coon hunt, squirrel hunt. You know, I still like to hunt. I like, I like to, to hunt. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I like to hunt. <clears throat> yeah. So I always like to ask about that. Well, Jim, what, before we wrap this up, um, what, what do you want, what would you like to tell people about the labs and the, and the retrieving world, um, training tips or tricks or something that, you know, stands out to you? What would you pass on to us? You know, I kind of hit on, on a couple up there a few minutes ago, but one, let them be your buddy. Don't try to force them into anything. Man, Labradors, all the retriever breeds are great dogs. I just happen to be a lab guy. Um, Goldens, Chesapeake's, they're all great. Um, a lot of people using hunting with Boykins, they're pretty cool. Um, it's, there's a lot of cool dogs out there. Find a dog that you like and let it be your friend. You know, be, be, be its buddy. Let him be your friend and you be his friend and treat him as such. Um, sure, they got to be acclimated cold and hot, and they got to get you know toughened up and in good physical condition. But at the same time, uh, it's okay for him to ride in his front seat of the truck or come in the house. Uh, that socializing in early life, I think, goes such a long way into a, the dog at the end. 
the, the more different environments and people and things you can get that dog around, I think the better dog you're going to have and he's three or four years old. The other one I would say is don't get in a hurry. Mm-hmm. You know, in the lab world, there's a lot of people, they want their dogs handling and running big blinds by the time they're like two years old or, you know, a year, a year old running, you know, 400-yard blind trees and whatnot. Don't get in a hurry. Let the dog learn at its own pace. Um, you, try to enhance what's the good Lord give it in its marking ability. Try to enhance on that. And then slowly work on the control side and running blinds. Let that come progress naturally. Don't try to force it. Again, I think too many people, they want to overcome marking and just teach the dog to handle. And they immediately want to start blowing whistles because, hey, look, it's cool to kick your dog off a dog stand. You run out there and you go, tweet, bat, tweet, over. You know, it's cool to see that dog do that. But don't make that happen too fast. Don't let that be your priority. Let the dog come along at a natural pace and don't force those things. Think about that six-month or year-old puppy, what you want that dog to be when he's in his prime, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, that's what I want to think about. Think about think about the end game, not the now. Look at the long term. And that's, I, that's part of this podcast. It's called The Journey because it's a process. And I don't care how oh, old wow. that well, – The dog never stops learning just like we should never stop learning. Hey, when I quit learning about things I do in the outdoors and getting excited about it when it works, Mm-hmm. Coming back to that grind thing. If it's a grind, I'm going to go find something. Maybe I need to learn how to golf, play tennis. <laughs> I don't know. But um, when I quit learning and quit getting excited about it, I'm out. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it's what, you know, like I'm always trying to learn how to do something better or different or tweak something, and that's what makes it – that's one of the things that makes it so fun for me is, you know, there's a thousand ways to train a dog, and – I want to know a thousand and one ways how to train a dog for myself. <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. yeah, we can always, we can always get better. You that's know, right. You can always learn something about whatever you do, you know, you can always learn. Yep. And it's fun to learn. That's something I always appreciate about my dad. You know, he always, he knew a lot about the woods and was an excellent woodsman, but he was always trying to learn something or, or teach something. You know, mm-hmm. um, he'd always ask you questions about why do you think this tree grows right here instead of up there? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just you, We can always learn, right? And always be willing to pass that on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jim, I can't tell you how much I appreciated this, how much I've enjoyed this. And I know we just touched the surface on dogs. Oh, um, oh I, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I answered any of your questions. Oh, yes. And, you know, it's so funny that that you're you're reinforcing a lot of the stuff that i say on this podcast through the year i mean you know don't get in a rush you know take your time spending time with your dogs you know and i say it all the time um in fact i've got it saved on my phone you take 18 minutes a day do something that you love for 18 minutes a day you're going to be better than 90 percent of the world 93 percent of the world so just a little Mm -hmm. bit of time just a little bit of time every day you know, I spend, I may only, when I'm working, I may only get five or 10 minutes with my dogs. And I know that uh, Shane's been posting a lot of um, little short reels and stuff on, on Instagram where I'm making my dogs load and, 
and you know they're they're three months old and they're loading in a truck and they're getting ready they're going to be in that truck between now and when i start taking them more times than you'll ever know but i'm getting them comfortable with that with that and loading and being up there and liking it like you know i don't want my dogs barking in the truck i don't want them carrying on and acting crazy i want them to be you know natural mm. you know so spending more time yeah. with your dogs i couldn't agree 100 percent more than you know having the dogs inside um and having hands on them, it just makes it more pleasurable. Plus, I mean, it helps with that uh, handle on the dogs. It doesn't hurt their abilities at all. Um, oh, no. No, no. No. Uh, now we'll, like, come in fall and whatnot, um, they'll stay out in the kennel some, you know, to get acclimated, mm-hmm. and, you know, start building that undercoat. But um, but once it gets cold and they're hunting every day, shoot, there's a lot of times they're in bed with me at night. You know, <laughs> I woke up and had one laying on top of me, you know, like, get off of me, I'm hot, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, I guarantee you it helps in that communication with that animal. Yep, it absolutely does. And they learn you. They learn, they, they know you anyway, but when you spend more time with you, you don't even have to say anything to them. You can look at them and dogs like, okay, dad wants me to do this. Okay, dad wants me to do that. Man, yeah. I, and I talk to them like they're people. I, I'm like, get in the boat, get in the truck. <laughs> You know, it, they they just know. You know, they learn how to communicate with you. Yes, they do. Jim, any last thoughts? Man, I could go on here forever, but you yep. probably need to go back to work. So do I. Yep, I've got training this evening. I'm trying to want to. Man, it's hot and humid. It's awful out. I, I don't know what they was thinking yeah, doing it in that day. With it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. What it is though. Well, Jim, thank you so I much. Have, go ahead. Well, I was going to tell you, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I always like making new friends and being around other folks. Absolutely. Thank you you for helping us teach, train, and learn. There you go, bud. Anytime. Yep. Mm -hmm.